What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies, and it is once again Monday, which means we are here for Mondays with Maximoff. Again, it is myself, Harrison from The Basement Binge, and Rob, here to talk about WandaVision Episode 7, a show that just keeps moving forward, uh, and for me, gets better and better and better. So, Rob, Harrison, again, welcome back, guys. We're we're at another episode, and it's getting close to the end here. It is. It's very exciting. Thank you for having me here. I'm I'm so excited to talk about this. I I just barely finished rewatching it, as I already told you guys. So obviously, I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah, um, I uh, I watched this in the middle of the day. My kids were home from school on break, and uh, when I said to them, "Hey, do you guys want to watch Wandavision on lunch?" Um, they were immediately jumping on board and saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> and I think one of them did say, "Well, shouldn't we wait for mom?" And the other two just looked and said, "No, we're not waiting for mom. We're we're just starting this." <laughs> and, um, I know that that's a serious faux pas um, in many households to go an episode ahead of a show you're all watching together. I know in some households that might even be considered grounds for divorce but um you know i uh i i certainly didn't we didn't give anything away um and uh, and i certainly had no problem doing a rewatch uh with her um because this is just um the it's really pulling you in deeper and deeper and um i you know i compared it to you know my first time reading the watchman and and every every page you turn and every issue you finish just pulled you more and more in and and as we go week to week, you can tell there's there's so many forces at work and there's conspiracies at play and there's things happening. And, and what you thought was going one direction kind of zigs. And all of a sudden there's this new element and, and everything spins a different direction than you thought it was going in with this show. And, um, you know, it's really a shame that I don't really see a way they do a second season of this. And, and I'm not sure they ever intend to, but wow, what a, what a great start to the MCU on Disney plus. I mean, this, this is really, um, I, I, I don't want to say it was a come out of nowhere hit, but I don't think that this was a show that everybody thought we would all be talking about in this way. I mean, this show is really dominating a lot of pop culture right now. There's, there's certainly a lot of conversation around this on the internet. And, um, the, you know, this is like the dominant show that people are, are trying to figure out what's happening. And if you're not watching WandaVision, it's kind of hard to participate in pop culture right now because this is really um, what, what people are gravitating to. Yeah, I mean, I know that when I'm at work, there's a lot of conversation when we have time that um, if somebody hasn't watched it based on different shifts and stuff like that, it's you you guys go to another room. Like, don't stand here and talk about it because it, nobody wants to be spoiled by it. Um, and it's about four or five people in the uh, the showroom that I work in um, that are you know watching this show out of my small little team of eight. Um, and yeah, nobody wants to hear anything until they watch it. So it's like, oh God, I didn't get to watch it yet. So, um, you know, Harrison with only three episodes left, we're getting pretty close to the end here, which, uh, for me is kind of sad because we're not going to be doing this show anymore, but boy, it keeps ramping up. Doesn't it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I remember on Friday you texted me when I was at work. And uh, he sent like a gif, like Harrison at the end of WandaVision. It was Thor saying, I knew it. 
from Endgame. <laughs> and it just, I mean, I, I knew it was Friday. I knew it was WandaVision. I was at work. I was like, I've got to go watch this. Like, my anxiety increased. Like, I went and took a bathroom break for five minutes and started. And I was like, like an unnecessary bathroom break, you know. <laughs> Air quotes bathroom break. And I watched like five minutes. I was like, no, this is a bad idea. Like, I'm supposed to be working right now. But then I was able to take it watch it. But it, uh, yeah, it's, it's ramping up. And yeah. it's, it's tons of fun. Yeah. Um, so, you know, let's get right into it. Um, obviously, listeners, what we're going to do is we're going to transition here to the spoiler free portion uh, of this review to talk about our quick feelings about this episode and move on to spoilers. So, uh, guys, I'll kick it off uh, again. This episode for me, uh, for the most part, there is about. 97% that I love about this episode and 3% that I'm not a fan of, which we'll get to later. But once again, it just kicks everything up a notch. It turns it upside down for me in terms of, well, last week I thought I knew what was going on and it threw a curveball. This week I thought maybe I was getting a little bit back on track. There's a couple of curveballs that are thrown that I'm like, okay, well, good Lord, what does this mean? Um, and a surprise ending. Um, this is not a spoiler, really, because I'm not going to mention what happens, but it's the first post credit scene in this show, um, which makes me think, okay, what do these characters, what are their actual motives and what role do they have to play? So I love the episode. There's a small bit that I have a problem with um, with it, but it certainly does not hinder my enjoyment for this episode um, or my oof, increasingly hard time to wait a week to get the next episode. So uh, Harrison, I'll let you go last. Rob, what are your, uh, your thoughts spoiler free on, on this week's episode? You know, spoiler free is, is tough because I just really want to get into what, what there is to go here. Um, you know, one of the things that I think I love about this show, and I think what really creates the tension around it, is the fact that Disney is releasing it week by week. Instead of dumping the whole thing on us, um, the way that several other streaming services, and I would say most streaming services do, um, they make us wait a whole week. And um, I, I think that that's really a great move. I think, Matt, you and I had talked about this a little bit with The Mandalorian, that, that it's really better. Um, than, um, you know, if they just kind of dump the whole thing on us um, and, and you can just sit and watch literally the whole series in one sitting if, uh, if you have the time to do it. Um, I, I just think with the way that there's twists and turns throughout this series, um, if, if you could watch two episodes back to back, and I know they did that in the first week, they gave us episodes one and two, but if, if you could watch just two of them back to back, three of them back to back, or the whole series, you know, straightforward, um, I don't think it would have the tension in the build that, that what we're getting now, um, you, you know, there's just, I love that every week we get paid off on a little thing from the previous week or from two weeks prior, there's a little payoff for this. There's a little bit of a, okay, I see what's happening now, or, okay, that's, that little thing is gone in motion now. And then when they resolve two or three other things, they give you like five other things that all of a sudden you have to consider and you have to start wondering about. And uh, this episode probably gives us the most payoff on things that are actually happening since maybe the, the fourth week when the whole thing took place outside the hex. Um, and I, I have a lot of questions. I, I, uh, 
I've definitely been wrong about certain things that I predicted, but um, one of the things that you absolutely must talk about with this show is just how fantastic the casting is. Um, by and large, the principal characters are done so well. Um, you know, I, I, I just, as I'm looking through my notes, you know, Catherine Hahn, she's great. Kat Dennings, she's great. Um, Monica Rambeau, she's just fantastic. Like every, you know, and certainly we've, we've extolled the virtues of, of uh, Paul Bettany and, and Elizabeth Olsen throughout uh, our recap show, but Holy cow. It's just uh, everybody they brought into this series. Um, with very, very few exceptions is, is so fantastic and, and really um, draws you in uh, to this mystery that we get week after week. Yeah. Very well put Harrison, your thoughts, man. Uh, wow. You know, how do I follow up that? Um, but I agree. It's, it's so interesting to like experience this so drawn out and so slow, but it's so much fun because the payoffs feel so rewarding maybe just because they're so slow and uh it's just awesome to like think what could be happening i mean we talk about this every every podcast how it's so fun to think about what could happen but it's tons of fun because it's it's happening now and uh yeah i don't really know how to follow up after what rob said because he pretty much said it all really well and if i tried to say it a different way i'd just butcher it but you know i gotta hand it down to the cast i gotta hand it down to uh, the acting and and just like the, just what they're doing with it. it, I think, I my brain is so conjumbled right now. I can't remember which one of you said this, but you were talking about how we it was, it's taken over pop culture. I think it was you, Matt. Like, maybe it was Rob. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It it's taken over pop culture in a way that none of us expected. Like when they were talking about the MCU going to Disney Plus, I figured like, oh, they'll be good, but like I won't be missing out on much if I don't watch it you know, because they talked about how to be connected to the rest of the movies. Holy smokes, you're missing out on, like, some of the best content in the MCU if you're missing out on WandaVision. And I had I had, I had, had no idea I'd care for Wanda and Vision so much. I had no idea I'd care for the series. I had no idea that the series would be this good in the scope of the MCU, but also in, like, what it is as, like, a mock sitcom drama-type thing. Like, there's just so many things that just blow me away about it, and this episode continues with that and, and it was just tons of fun it, it was the first episode that i've re-watched uh because it was that good yeah you know uh you know rob one of the other things you said and we're gonna move forward here is it's kind of hard to do a spoiler free portion on this because as these episodes keep coming it's hard to talk about an episode without just basically spilling the beans, so to speak and talking about all of the little things that might mean nothing might be something um, what are the theories, you know, what was this character doing? So, um, you know, listeners, this is where if you haven't watched this episode and you don't want to hear spoilers, pause the episode, go watch this one. Uh, it's probably one that, yeah, again, kind of like last week, you could watch it twice because uh, there's a lot going on. So we are going into spoiler territory and starting with spoilers, the thing that I liked right off the bat is one, there was an office um, and a heavy dose of modern family. Uh, I love that show. Actually. I always found that show very good um, as the influence for this week's episode. But one thing that I liked right off the bat was Wanda's vulnerability with really just telling the kids, look, I don't have any answers. Um, 
And maybe that's okay. Uh, but I don't know what's going on. If your dad doesn't want to be here, he doesn't want to be here. Um, I like have to let him go to have him come back. Um, she's kind of coming to grip with the fact that this is kind of falling apart, but she's very confused as to why it's falling apart because, well, she should control it. Um, and I think from a certain standpoint to a lot of viewers, that's probably really relatable that sometimes you just don't understand why something is happening. Um, but it is, and you can try and fight against it or you can try and see where it goes. Uh, cause sometimes the hardest thing to do is to just let it take its course, so to speak. So I really like seeing her vulnerable right off the bat. Um, Harrison, I'll, I'll switch it over to you first. Um, you know, where'd you, where'd you start on this episode with her really just kind of letting things go, so to speak? Oh, man, I thought it was so just especially this time when I rewatched it. So you get like the recap of previously on WandaVision and it's like, oh, yeah, I can't. I forgot. Like, this is where we left off. And it like it like picks up the pace. And then you get the epic <laughs> Marvel Studios intro. Like who can't, you know, you get excited during that. Like that is a is a. uh uh, what's the word I'm searching for? Like uh, energizing. There we go. That's the word. It's an energizing theme song and the logo, and it's awesome. And then it cuts to Wanda laying in bed alone. And the first thing she does is reach over, and Vision's not there. And she's like, oh, like, wow, I really care about these two characters. And then to like see how Wanda falls apart emotionally, how difficult of a time she's having with this, and like the reality of her being a parent, you know, it, it, it was fun in the way that it like totally fit the era of like, TV that it was mocking, but it also fits the story for Wanda and Vision really, really well. And I just, it, I think it's so clever. I think it's so well done. Uh, but it also like makes me wonder so much about the hex and like so many things, like Wanda and Agnes and and different realities and and everything that the show is about. Of course, none of that I really have any answers to. But it, it's fun how like watching something that's so well crafted that is able to convey all those things at the same time. Like we're making fun of uh, like a style of TV by making that style of TV super well. We're also having a TV show for characters that we're telling really well. And we're also like creating insights and questions and, and, and hints at a, a grander multiverse. Like that's just so impressive that it does all that at once. Yeah, Rob, what are your feelings on, you know, Wanda's mental state in this episode? Oh, Rob, did we lose you? Oh, wait. Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. I think somebody <laughs> cut out. Do you still got me? Yep, we got you. Hello? Matt? Hello? Oh, no. Okay, cool. Um, so... Yes. So, you know, it was, um, it was very interesting to me, you know, one of the first things I had, had written down and had noticed was that, um, you know, Wanda is obviously very stressed about this reality that she created specifically because the real reality was causing her post-traumatic stress. And it was, it was kind of like this, this poor woman, she just can't simply get away. Even when she creates this idyllic world for her to live in, whether or not she herself created it, but she certainly has influence on it and a significant amount of influence, um, as we'll talk about soon, I'm sure. Um, even within that, um, 
you know, she still can't escape the stresses of normal life. You know, she thought that by having a, a husband and children and, and a cul-de-sac style, you know, suburban neighborhood life that it would, everything would be hunky dory and fine. And she could escape there. And um, somebody forgot to tell her that being a parent is hard. Um, <laughs> it, it's not easy. <laughs> I just, I kind of, I kind of loved when she was like, boys, I don't really know. And I'm like, I, I feel you. I was like, I, I, I was like, I feel represented here. I, I understand this. Like it was, uh, it was super awesome. Um, you know, I, uh, certainly, um, was wrong about the big twist that, that came later, but, um, you know, there's certain other things that I, I kind of felt like, uh, little payoffs here and there. Um, but uh, seeing the circus, you know, that was super fun. Uh, we didn't get Kat Dennings in the, in the yellow, you know, two broke girls kind of outfit that I was kind of hoping for, knowing that this was going to move into the 2000s. Um, but uh, so many fun things that they did here. Um, just more questions too. Um, you know, like if, if vision has the ability to pull people out of the fake reality into the real world, as we've seen him do several times, I, I couldn't help but wonder, okay, so he pulls Darcy, um, out of the trance where she's the escape artist. And, and that whole bit was fantastic, by the way, like that just, <laughs> it was so funny when she pretended like he was coming on to her and just, it was great. But my question was, okay, so these are all sword agents for the most part that are in this circus. Why doesn't he just like, unfreeze all of them and now he's got a whole army if he needs it to to break down doors and figure out what's really going on like that was one of the few kind of like plot holes that i, I didn't really have an answer for um yeah i i think my interpretation of that was when he sees darcy he understands you know he connects with her because it she was really the only one he comes outside of the hex that was sympathetic to him. Uh, everybody else was just kind of standing there and whether or not he knows that the, you know, people who are now part of the circus were sword agents. Um, I, I think it's because he recognized her as somebody that tried to help him. So he was trying to get answers. So um, maybe that's not, you know, the reason, and maybe it is kind of like a, well, wouldn't he just free these people? Um but also, too, he's seen kind of what happens when he zaps people out of that reality and they freak out. So he puts them, we saw that with Norm, where he just starts losing his mind about, I have to have my cell phone, you know, I have to call my wife. Um, so he might not want to, until he fully understands what's going on and how to help these people, uh, he might not want to break them out of this because it does more damage right now than them being you know, basically oblivious to this while they're under that control. Um, that's just my part of it. Um, and maybe I'm a hundred percent wrong, but you know, that was one thing. It was funny. I wish we would have gotten a little bit more. Um, I was kind of hoping for like a whole, not a whole episode of that, but some sort of act from the circus in this episode. So I was a little disappointed that we didn't get that. Um, but again, the interaction when they were right there setting things up uh, was great. You know, everybody here that are the main characters, I I'm just amazed at the chemistry that they've all brought to the screen for people who have not had screen time together. I mean, really, you know, now with the show, okay. But before WandaVision, the only two people that really were on screen together were Wanda and Vision. Uh, everybody else has just been brought into this, but 
man, it, it's nobody to me has missed a step. It's just amazing how well everybody gels together, no matter who they're on screen with. Um, and again, I think we can't say enough about this cast. Um, you know, Harrison, any further thoughts on the circus scene and Wanda and Darcy kind of going over what the heck is happening? Uh, yeah, I thought uh, this isn't so much the circus scene, but just the two of them together later when they're driving. I, I think it's so interesting to see Vision have such an existential crisis. Like, clearly, I, I talked about this before that Vision in the actions he's taking to like save Westview, so to speak, to just put it simply, proves why Vision was worthy of holding Mjolnir. But he doesn't know who he is. Like, he's understanding history without understanding himself. And that is, I don't even understand that, but like that would be really difficult to like define who you are and figure out your existence. Um, that's gotta be very, very weird for him, especially as he breaks more and more away from Wanda's control. Because I think that if I look back at the other episodes, maybe Vision felt like he was fitting in as Wanda's husband in you know a sitcom is because that was what wanda was portraying to him and now that he's realizing that that's wrong in addition to having to like confront the reality that wanda has created an alternate reality he also has to confront the reality that he doesn't know who he is and that i just think that's so interesting and, and super fun to explore uh but i did think that the entire circus scene uh was hilarious especially with uh Darcy thinking that vision is coming on her. I was laughing so hard. It was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I did find that funny, especially too. She's like, okay, but I'm getting the lobster. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, so great. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would too. I'd be like, yeah, I'm getting lobster. Um, but you know, Harrison, you're talking about vision. And one thing that is brought up a lot and more so than any movie in between its release to now, there are so many references to Age of Ultron, which, um, you know, Rob, you and I, when we did our MCU Infinity Saga reviews, uh, we ranked Ultron pretty low. Uh, Harrison, I think you had Ultron higher than us, um, but for the most Probably. part, um, you know, that's a movie that kind of goes forgotten, so to speak. Right. But... We're getting more and more references to Age of Ultron. Uh, whenever I end this, you know, whenever I end the show when it's done and I'm watching it on Disney Plus, it always goes to because you watch WandaVision and the thing that pops up is Age of Ultron. And again, maybe that's just a coincidence, but the more and more that they mention it and based on some IMDb casting reports, and them experimenting on vision. I have a thought that they are trying to bring back Ultron. Um, and I'm just kind of curious what your guys thoughts are on. Again, we talked about it last week, but hearing Hayward talk again, I am convinced that he is using, or he was trying to use Vision as a weapon, and that's maybe why Wanda took him in the first place, because you can tell he does not have good intentions, so to speak. But 
especially with him saying I was created, Vision mentions that he was supposed to be like the last form of Ultron. It, it feels like he's back to that original form where he was just finding out about what he was supposed to be and how he was going to, you know, understand that he didn't want to be Ultron. Um, he wanted to choose a different path. So uh, Rob, I'll let you go first. Um, what do you think Hayward's end, end game is here? Cause I, I think that's, kind of alluded to in this episode not so much straight on but he definitely has a a plan yeah and um you mentioned that when um when you're done with the episode disney plus recommends age of ultron um it does the exact same thing for me and i think it probably has um every week so far um and it's kind of like no disney plus i will not watch that turd pile of a movie like it doesn't matter how many times you recommend it i'm not doing it like it's it's not good like but as we go further and further into this, you know, there's like little nods and mentions to things that it's been a long time since I've watched that film. Um, it's been even longer since I've enjoyed it. Um, and it almost makes me kind of want to go back and rewatch it a little bit, even though I know it's it's not good. But I wonder if there's aspects of this I would enjoy more um, if I would have seen that a little more recently. Um, oddly enough, it seems like WandaVision is, is intent on uh, trying to make us rewatch the worst parts of the MCU. There's there's a reference later to something in Thor: The Dark World um, that it's kind of a not necessarily a blink and you'll miss it, but um, it's not referenced very deeply. And, and certainly, I don't expect most people listening to this have seen Thor: The Dark World um, in a long time, or maybe even ever. And by the way, you're not missing anything. It's crap. Um, but yeah, Hayward is. Um, He's doing something with vision. And as we've talked about in previous weeks, think about a world where the snap did happen. Just thinking about what happened in our world when, when something like nine 11 happened and what the response was to that um, things changed, things changed very quickly because people want to be safe. People want to feel safe. And when the general public wants to feel safe, they will green light their government to do basically whatever they want to do. Um, and that includes restarting the Ultron program potentially. Um, and we had talked about it before. And, and when we saw the security cam footage of Wanda breaking into where vision was being held, um, it definitely didn't look to me like he was being mourned or he was being given a final resting place. It definitely looked like he was hooked up to stuff and there was wires and there were circuits going and there was all kinds of stuff going. They were clearly doing something to him. Um, and, and then this week we are absolutely led to believe that they were trying to, um, you know, get vision back online in some way or possibly, um, you know, reverse engineer something, uh, using him. Um, certainly if you had a functioning Ultron that wasn't hell bent on destroying all of humanity, the next time a Thanos level threat comes along, um, you'd kind of want that if you could have it, I, I think, um, certainly knowing how, mercurial some of your heroes are you know does anybody really want to count on captain marvel i mean she's she's got space stuff to worry about um certainly tony stark is a wild card you know when he when he was alive in this universe um captain america basically became a criminal in, in the effort to do what he thought was right um and and some of these other players you know the hulk do you really trust the hulk um so if you could create a robot that did exactly what you wanted it to do 
um, the next time you have something like Thanos come along, uh, you'd feel a little bit safer. And uh, it, it seems like maybe that's the direction they were going. And like I've said before, I, I can't say I necessarily think that S.W.O.R.D. are the bad guys here for trying to do it. Yeah, Harrison, uh, what are you, what are your thoughts? Because, you know, based on, you know, other shows that you've done and things like that, you, like you said, you love to theorize and what's going on. So what are your thoughts on Hayward's plan and what's the end goal for, for Vision? Because it seems like there's an end goal for him. Right, yeah. I There's one line that I wrote down in my notes that I, I was waiting for on a rewatch that I, when it, on the rewatch, Hayward says to you know, one of his people he's commanding. One of his goons. He says, yeah, he, he says, like, get ready. We launch today. Um, what, what are they launching? We, we don't see any, like, that's the only, like, that's the last time we see him in the episode is he says we launch today. Right. What are they launching? Clearly, he's focused on the Hex. And I think that S.W.O.R.D.'s involvement in this is vision it, it's clear they keep bringing that up with the the cataract program or whatever it's called so as far as ultron goes i definitely think that that's what's going on that, that to some extent you know whether you want to call it ultron or vision or whatever synthesoid 2.0 whatever you want to call it they're doing something to bring a sentient weapon back for all the reasons that you guys have already said um, and i think you know, say what you will about Age of Ultron. If we could get James Spader back as Ultron, I would not complain. He is the best part of that entire movie. And I think that he as an actor and Ultron as a character were both completely underused. Ultron is a great uh, villain in the comics. He's very threatening. Um, and uh, that'd be cool to get him back. I don't know if we will. Uh, I There's part of me that really hopes we do to some extent but also hopes we don't because if he does come back, I think he's going to be the threatening Ultron that he is in the comics, which it kind of scares me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely think that it's going in that direction. Yeah. I mean, let's not forget. Um, James Spader is credited in WandaVision. So we have not seen him yet and we have episodes seven, eight and nine. Well, I shouldn't say we haven't seen him. Uh, we haven't heard him yet. So it leads me to believe that, Something is is happening there. Um, you know, moving on to, you know, one part that was, a, it was a little bit of a letdown to me in the sense of, it seemed like we were going to get a payoff and we didn't on this one. Um, one of the big things that kept getting brought up from Monica was, I have a friend. Um, I have an engineer. They're going to get me back into the hex. And we were... On the path, we find out Monica and Jimmy are okay. They're outside of the hex, and they're going to meet this friend of hers who's going to get them back into, well, get her uh, back into the hex. And when we get to that scene, it's just this military friend um, who doesn't seem all that important. Now, there was some dialogue that, oh, you know, this is what we brought for you that could still be... Um, you know, well, we don't know who made this equipment and who figured that, oh, this would work to get her back into the hex. So there's still something there because it seemed like, you know, it was oddly specific to keep saying, I have a friend who's an engineer that we were going to get maybe just a name drop. 
Um, and we didn't get that, but there was a lot uh, that I liked about that scene that leads into her getting into the hex. You see her determination, you see her character. Um, the nod to her comic book costume was really cool. Um, yeah, you, get, you get some voice cameos from Nick Fury and Carol Danvers uh, when she is trying to break through the hex on her own. So I thought it was a very good scene. It certainly seemed to show her transition uh, into her superhero um, counterpart. So for the most part, I thoroughly enjoyed her showcasing the strength to just say, I need to do this. I'm going to go help Wanda and you know, the heck with the repercussions. Cause Darcy certainly warned her. She couldn't go back through the heck. So again, I, sh- I thought it showed her in a very strong light. I was just a little, you know, like, Oh, I-, I thought we'd get a little bit more from who this person was, but Harrison, I'll revert to you first. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, pretty much the exact same. When uh, that, military person i i wait i have her name written down uh when uh major goodner shows not up, reed richards <laughs> yeah I was like, oh. <laughs> who is this and why isn't it reed richards uh was pretty much my thought uh, and then of course the scene moves on and some pretty awesome stuff happens and it's so easy to forget about that uh because of what follows but in that moment i just remember being like wait what this is supposed to be the engineer. And then like, I kept rewinding it. Like, did she say that this was the engineer? Did she say that this wasn't the engineer? Like, what about the engineer? Is this the engineer? Like I needed confirmation. And it's just all the words spoken about this major goodner are so loose. It's like, okay, this could be the engineer or this could just be somebody who brings the equipment that the engineer provided. And I have no idea. I, that's my hope that the engineer who provided it is Reed Richards. It is a spacecraft vehicle. Uh, is their strongest space exploration vehicle that she drives. Uh, But I have no idea. Uh, Yeah. That that uh, didn't bother me though. Yeah. That is a line that they, uh, again, it feels like it was dropped deliberately. You know, this is our space, Um, which again was like, okay, maybe we'll get a name drop in a later episode because they kind of seem to leave it open-ended that "Mm, this is somebody who's maybe just dropping off the product, so to speak. Like, this was your Uber Eats driver. Um, so, <laughs> Rob, what are your, what are your Here's thoughts? Here's a big truck. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I I felt very similar to what you guys are talking about. I was, you know, it, it seemed like this would have been a payoff of, of somebody else. Certainly, we've seen a lot of that kind of thing throughout the show. Um, I was very confused why she was putting on a spacesuit and, and getting in a space truck to go on Earth into... Um, you know, into the hex, it, it kind of felt like, um, well, you didn't need that last time you went in. So what, what's the point of this? Like, what do you think this was going to, I didn't really understand it. Um, Cause she just ended up walking through it anyways. And the one thing that I, I, I guess maybe my biggest beef with this episode was, was kind of how they do uh, Monica, you know, becoming spectrum. Um, her, her superhero origin is basically just, she walked to the hex three times. Um, so does that mean everybody who goes to the hex is now going to have superpowers if they do it enough times? Um, 
I, I didn't love that unless what they do is they explain it away that because she was in space so much and exposed to all this other cosmic radiation, then it interfered with her bloodstream and boom. Okay. Now only she gets powers this way. Um, that, that'll be kind of interesting to see how they, they do it. But um, I loved Monica's determination to try to reach Wanda, to try to get to her, to try to reason with her. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, we certainly get the super cool, like superhero landing when she gets blasted in the air and, and lands, you know, fist straight down on the ground, one knee down. I mean, who doesn't love a good superhero landing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, I mean, there was a lot there. Um, so it is a minor thing about the payoff, but there was some, some really good content there. And one other thing, and this is just my other little piece of this episode that I don't like. So I'll get this out of the way and get your guys thoughts on it are it seemed weird. And again, I know there was still sitcom elements to this episode, but when vision and Darcy are talking and he's becoming more and more aware of what's going on, um, you know, he certainly says, boy, it seems like Wanda is trying to stop me. Like, it seems like Wanda's trying to impede my progress home. Um, it felt out of place for him to stop and talk to the camera, especially given the fact that he just, you know, has this epiphany of like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? And just flies out of the truck that they're using to drive back to Wanda's home. Um, it felt more of an audience moment instead of natural. And that's one thing that in, you know, movies and things like that, it, it draws me away from it when it's void of actual logic and it's just made to be for the audience, so to speak. Um, it, it was a little bit too on the nose for me and didn't really make sense that in this moment, vision was stopping and talking to the camera. Um, maybe that was me, but Rob, I'll ask you first. Um, what were your thoughts on, him just kind of taking his time and then finally coming to the realization like, Oh, uh, I can just get there. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I was like, dude, you fly and you face through <laughs> objects. Like, what are you doing? Like, what, like, seriously, what, why are you, why is this a thing? And, um, as, as he kind of was talking to the camera and doing sort of those cutaways, you know, very much in line with, um, the, the sitcoms that inspired this week's episode. Um, I, I, on my rewatch, I kind of just excused it as, you know, the their reality is governed by the rules of those sitcoms, and that's what happens in them. You know, this is clearly the B plot, you know, that he's trying to mm -hmm. get home um, because his wife's mad at him, and, you know, they have to have this conversation, and they just keep having um, hurdle after hurdle get in their way. Um, that's how the B plot of that sitcom was supposed to go um, until he just kind of snapped out of, out of his own realization. Um, it, it did bother me kind of the first time through, but on the second time through, I guess I was more willing to excuse it. Gotcha. Uh, Harrison, you, you know, you mentioned at the top of this episode, you finished up a rewatch here before we, you know, we went live, so to speak. What were your thoughts on that? part of this episode uh yeah so the first time watching it, i just thought it was funny like oh this is really funny especially when he realized like why am i talking to you and gets up like i thought that was hilarious uh but then as i thought about the episode and and as i was re-watching it and i knew that that was coming i was like this is kind of weird and i thought about <laughs> it i was like why why is he like this is kind of dumb you know why would he stop 
set up all this camera equipment. Why is he following the laws of the sitcom? When, right, like, when Wait, he that's knows exactly that he's what's happening. Yeah. So it, it, it felt weird. And then I, as I was thinking about it, I was like, wait, this is like, especially with knowing that Agnes is the one behind the camera. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like Agnes clearly has some control over this sitcom reality and she can inflict those laws on whoever she wants. And I think that it was more Agnes, you know, causing the construction and the kids and the red lights and all the things that were slowing them down. I think that was Agnes and not Wanda that was causing that. And so I also think that this was just another ploy of Agnes uh, to get what she wants by uh, making them succumb to the laws of this reality that they've created. Uh, But Vision has the mentality to be able to break away from it eventually, just like he did through this series. And so I, I, through thinking about how weird it was, I found out how fitting it was, uh, which is weird. But yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. No, I think that uh, I think that's a good valid point. And I mean, heck, you you lobbed it up. Uh, time to just hit that softball pitch. Uh, the big reveal this week is, you know, uh, Harrison. You talked about it, and yeah, uh, we've got someone pulling the strings here. Um, and it was great. I love the theme song that was accompanied with it. Yeah, that was uh, awesome. I got to say the only part, um, and I won't say the word that I used, but she comes out with the line and I killed Sparky. And I was like, you little, like, <laughs> like I was like, that's not cool <laughs> that you admitted that you killed the dog. Um, but her, her, evil, kill anybody else you want. Just not the dog. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like her John Wick cackle. <laughs> right. I know. Good Lord. Um, <laughs> You know, her evil laugh in that moment, um, boy, I, I was a fan of her before, but the reveal and how it came to be and, you know, she played a, a menacing touch to it as well um, that I kind of went, again, knowing her backstory from the comics, but this is the first time you see it on screen, like, ooh, um, yeah, she's she, she's got... She's a force to be reckoned with here. Um, so I just thought they nailed the reveal. Um, you know, as much as Harrison, you had talked about it. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts first, because you had been talking about this the most out of the three of us. Uh, were you still like pumped by it, even though you kind of were expecting it to happen? Like, how did that hit for you? Uh, yeah, I was so excited when she takes Billy and Tommy over to her house. I was like, it's going to happen. I was so excited. <laughs> uh, and then especially when, uh, when uh, what was I saying? Uh, when Billy is like, it's quiet in here. I was like, it's really going to happen this episode. Like, <laughs> like, so, so when she takes him over to her house, I was like, I was right. Like, she's without a doubt uh, Agatha Harkonnen. But it's probably going to be revealed at a later episode but then when billy is like you're really quiet on the inside i, I got even more excited because like it's going to be revealed this episode and it was just so fun to see it happening especially because of Catherine hahn and that that music behind the th- scenes type thing like that the way it was done was beyond anything i could have imagined or expected and made it so much better um, because it would have just been dumb if she was like, I'm Agatha Harkman. Uh, nice to meet you. And like, that was it. But to like make it so like over the top and just the, 
the characterization was just tons of fun. Uh, and it, it was just, it was exciting. It was fulfilling and, and also extremely intriguing. Uh, I have a lot more to say about that, especially with the dog thing that you talked about, but I'll, I'll save that for later. But yeah, when it, the reveal happened, when Wanda was walking out in the basement, I was just getting so excited. And, and Catherine Hahn is, uh, she's great. She makes that role so much fun. Yeah, uh, Rob, I, I wasn't quite sure we were going to get it this episode until, um, you know, I, I did notice when Wanda comes in, I was like, where the heck are the twins? Um, and I was like, okay, like, oh, God, we're going to end and it's going to be, you know, um, please stand by. And it's like, oh, my God, we're going to have to wait. Um, but as soon as she said, Oh, may- I think it was maybe they're in the basement or however she actually delivered that line. I was like, Harris, I was like, oh my God. Like, okay, we're getting we're getting this reveal right now before this episode ends. Um, you know, how was that execution for you? Um, I'm going to echo a lot of what Harrison said. I, I loved how they did it. I love that they did a whole like sideshow. It's Agatha all along, almost like it's a spinoff. Of, of right. one vision is really how it was presented, and it and it was great. You know, it showed the flashback to her controlling things here and there. Um, you know, listeners will remember that I've been firmly on team. I don't think that Agnes actually is Agatha Harkness. Um, I realized as soon as um, whichever one of the twins grows up to become Wiccan, uh, who has magic powers as well. Um, as soon as he said, you're quiet on the inside, I went, oh, I'm wrong. Yep, Harrison nailed it. I am <laughs> wrong. This is clearly what's happening here. I knew right away. I, I whiffed on that one. Um, and, and then, you know, when she gets uh, when she gets there and sees like the half-eaten kind of like peanut butter and jelly and, and asks where the twins were and she goes down in the basement, I was just really hoping that she, they were, the kids weren't stuck in like gingerbread houses or something like that or something like <laughs> really creepy and weird. But what we got was really creepy and really scary and um i uh i loved how they approached it um you know i've I've said all along i didn't think necessarily that disney and and marvel were going to go into kind of the supernatural um and then once we confirmed okay this is this is agatha and, and we've had the clues that perhaps mephisto is involved and we know mephisto in the comics is aligned with agatha I started thinking about how we've been told there's a direct link between this show, Doctor Strange 2, and Spider-Man 3. And those are, you know, they, they all deal with kind of this multiverse and they all deal with, with some of these similar kinds of ideas. And it got me into thinking about how the second MCU Spider-Man film ends with JJJ revealing to the whole world Spider-Man's true identity. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar, go check out Brand New Day is the name of the story. Um, and it's where Peter Parker basically makes a deal with the devil, with Mephisto, to undo everybody knowing his identity through the events of the original Civil War. Um, but in exchange, he and MJ um, are no longer married. Uh, they're no longer a couple. There's, there's some other things that get undone by it. Um, I'm kind of wondering as I, as I hypothesize about what we might get if, if Mephisto is actually involved and if we get an element of him being involved in the third Spider-Man MCU film, uh, undoing Peter Parker's reveal to the world as Spider-Man. Yeah. I mean, there were certainly some 
objects down in the basement um, that could certainly still point to, you know, him being part of this universe. I, I think Harrison is still onto something that we will not see him for a while. We might get some clues that he is a part of this, but I definitely think it is a, a slow burn, so to speak. Um, you know, she mentions her husband again, who we have not seen. So who is this guy? Um, in what does he represent? Because why haven't we seen him inside the hex? But I definitely think there's something there because he is so closely tied to Wanda, to Dr. Strange, to Spider-Man. And I know it's a shared universe and it seems more and more like this Sony deal. And this is going outside to another movie, um, you know, that Sony and Marvel are really truly teaming up now because we've, I, you know, I've heard rumors that with Venom two, that Tom Holland has been on set for that. Uh, we certainly during the Morbius trailer saw Sam Raimi's Spider-Man costume inside that movie, which I thought was weird, but it lends credence to this whole multiverse theory. Um, and then at the end of that trailer, you get Michael Keaton. So if Sony and Marvel are really teaming up and Marvel has, you know, a stake in Morbius and everything like that, uh, obviously they're not afraid to go, I can't say off the rails, um, but they're not afraid to go out of the box here with what characters they're willing to bring in. I mean, we're getting, you know, Moon Knight, we're getting the Eternals, we're like, there's so many things that are happening where when you just kind of put it into that same perspective, uh, having the devil as part of this universe or some form of him doesn't seem as far fetched when you start to think of how many things they're actually incorporating into this MCU. Um, so I definitely think we are going to see him in some way, shape or form, and he's going to have an impact on the events of, what is almost, if you count WandaVision as a movie with all of these episodes, um, it's almost like WandaVision, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange 2 are a trilogy. Um, so I, I think he has some some play in that. Uh, Harrison, you said you had some more thoughts on Agatha, and I, I don't think there's not a reason why we can't hear some more of those now. Okay, yeah. Uh, the, it actually has to do with the line that you mentioned uh, when you said that she's like, I, and I killed the dog, and that's where the episode ends. Like, you know, especially in pop culture, like recent pop culture, if there's ever a way you want to make a villain evil, have them kill an innocent animal. Like, that's so horrible to say out loud <laughs> and have right. my neighbors here. But, like, <laughs> that, that's just in film, in TV, if you want to make someone evil, that's how you do it. But to have her earlier say that her husband says she sugarcoats things just to, you know, a little while later have her to say that she killed a dog. Like, that's not really sugarcoating, which makes right. me think that, like, her husband is a lot worse than her, which, of course, is Mephisto. Uh, and I I'm still saying by my theory that I don't think we're going to get, like, a grand reveal of who he is and that it's Mephisto this episode or this this series. I think like we're talking about right now the groundwork is definitely there uh, i'm hoping that evan peters is mephisto like just in the future of the mcu just because evan peters uh he's awesome he, he's so great and i think he'd be so fun as mephisto 
But I, I do think that what you guys are saying and the Multiverse of Madness, which I have more to talk about as well with WandaVision and something that happened in it, and also Spider-Man 3 with what Rob talked about with the comic line with what ha- happened after Civil War. Like, those are all things that I've thought about. I'm like, okay, yeah, like, this is happening. I, I really did doubt it when, even though I was totally banking on the idea of uh, Agatha Harkness, I doubted on Mephisto. I was like, no, like, that's kind of intense for Marvel. Like, that's a little out there. Uh, you know, and and I think with Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness being a, a kind of horror, scary type film, I think that it's very fitting for that to be him to be an overarching involvement, especially with things like Morbius and uh, Blade. Now that I think about that, that'd be cool if Morbius is connected to Blade, just because of the whole vampire thing, and if they were connected to Mephisto. Now I'm just getting all the ideas just from what we've been, what you guys have been saying. <laughs> And I think that it, Mephisto really is going to be uh, a central villain uh, in the multiverse, which I think is the next big phase of the MCU. Yeah, I mean, Rob, uh, you know, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. And before, you know, you go into yours, you know, one thing, too, is and Rob, I'm I think you've seen these movies and you certainly know of this guy. Um, and Harrison, you're going to know of him too, but some of the movies that I'm going to mention, I don't think you've seen based on what I know um, some of your preferences are for movies and what they aren't. Um, <laughs> but I, I think it's not too much to over, you know, I think it would be too much to overlook the fact of who is directing Dr. Strange too. Right. Um, and that's Sam Raimi who has done the evil dead. And if this is supposed to be somewhat of a horror take, um, Again, maybe it's just a coincidence, but they brought this guy on for a reason, I think. And if they're going to try and incorporate some form of the devil, um, and who knows, maybe he has a Dharmamu-like scene where you don't fully see him. Um, But there might be a reason why they picked this guy to helm this movie. Uh, Rob, what are your thoughts on, you know, some of the things that Harrison said or, you know, anything with this going forward? You know, I think the Infinity Saga was truly unique for any uh, more ways than you could ever possibly sit down and truly name. Um, But to have it be kind of 23 films that are really telling one story or leading to the telling of one story. Uh, that being basically the events of Infinity War and, and Endgame being kind of the two pivotal films that really do tell that story. Um, I don't know that that's duplicatable. Um, and, and I even mean that in the context of the future phases of the MCU. I, I think there's just going to be, you know, they're going to continue to introduce us to new characters and things like that. Um, they're going to continue to introduce um, new ideas, new films, new bad guys. Um, of, we know we're going to get Fantastic Four. Um, there's certainly some rumors out there that I'd like to talk about in a little bit. You know, we we assume that they can't keep the X Men on the shelf forever, um, but I kind of think that what we'll see in the MCU next is not necessarily one overarching bad guy per se that takes 23 films to build. Um, I think what you might see is is teams and characters kind of you know staying in their lane. And what I mean is, like, in the comics, the X-Men fight mutants mostly. You know, Captain America mostly punches Nazis. You know, Tony Stark <laughs> fights, like, 
technological based villains. The Hulk takes on Abomination and uh, Wendigo and, and, you know, Hulk sized characters, you know, Captain Marvel's fighting uh, space villains and things like that. Like, the, you know, certainly Doctor Strange deals with mystical. Um, the characters kind of stay in their lane. You know, they, then they get together for the big team ups and the crossovers that happen in the summertime. But for the most part, they 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 take on their own villains. Um, I sort of believe we'll see that in the future of the MCU where, um, you know, you see Doctor Strange contribute in other ways. You will certainly see him appear in, in other films and, and certainly big Avengers films. Um but I think you'll see mostly uh, smaller stories, smaller scale, big bads um, that aren't necessarily a Thanos level threat, or, or they might be that level of threat, but they're taken care of in one or two films, not necessarily uh, massive amounts of films. Um, and it kind of lines up with how they do it in the comics. And, and I think we'll see that um, going forward. If it's okay, if I can jump in, Matt, Absolutely. I just want to continue off with what Rob said. Something that I always keep my eye on is what Kevin Feige says, because the success of the MCU is a huge result of Kevin Feige. Like, of course, every creative individual involved in it is a res- like it's their result. But the biggest part that it was able to lead to something as big as Endgame is Kevin Feige's producing ability in the way that he has his finger on the pulse. He knows what pop culture wants when it wants it. And of course, he kind of tells us what we want, but it's not just that like he says and we follow. It, it, there's like a, a ebb and flow type of thing, I, and I think that what has allowed them to be so successful is understanding what pop culture is ready for. And I think what pop culture is ready for, so to speak, is definitely the multiverse. It seems like, especially in comic book movie fandom, that seems to be everybody's next idea is what's going to be happening is, is some extent of the multiverse in both the DC films and Marvel films. But I also think that it's really what Rob said, is trying to duplicate something like Endgame and Infinity War would be useless. Uh one, nothing would probably be, be able to compare. Two, that's a ton of work that a lot of people probably aren't uh, uh, in for anymore. You know, people have their end game and they're done type of thing. You know, you look at the reader, for example, to compare it to comics, you look at the people who love Civil War versus the people who love Civil War Two type of thing. Um, and I think that it's going to be a scenario where, just like Rob said, it's those... Maybe we'll get, like, of course, everything's going to be intertwined, but the big bad may be interlinked over three films. You know, like we're talking about Mephisto. Maybe that's WandaVision, Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange. And then maybe what happens with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has to do with, I don't know, Black Panther 2. And Ant-Man and the Wasp has to do with Fantastic Four, and so on and so forth. You know, I'm just throwing out ideas here. I, I think that that's really what it's going to be like, uh, which is so exciting because it means that there's like that, that's, <laughs> that's such a big sandbox to play in. Uh, but it's also like it, it's sad to see that the times are changing. I'm getting like totally out in the weeds here. I apologize. <laughs> I, I'm no, just kind of like speaking out loud. <laughs> but uh, back to WandaVision, it's interesting to see how well like everything's laying the groundwork now. Like, uh, I, oh, I, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I spoke too much. Now my brain turned off after all that, but it's just exciting to see what's happening. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I think one other thing to, to touch on here and, you know, it's all good points. Cause you know, it doesn't, who knows where this is going. Um, we don't necessarily have a roadmap per se. Like we know what movies we're getting, but the stories can go off in so many different directions, but you know, you mentioned Evan Peters and this is the first time that we get an end credit scene. It's, you know, it was kind of familiar to be like, like, Oh, this kind of ties back into the MCU that we know um, with end credit scenes where Monica at one point in this, and we, you know, we had skipped this part, so to speak, uh, she confronts Wanda, kind of gets her to open up a little bit um, when it looked like Wanda was maybe just going to, you know, um, take her out, so to speak. I mean, who knows if that would have worked based on what happened to Monica and her powers. Um, but at the end here, she goes to try and find Wanda and ends up looking down in the basement and you get Evan Peters at the end showing up who appears different than he did when we last saw him and just says, ah, Snooper's going to snoop, huh? And that's episode cuts again. Um, again, Harrison, uh, I am probably positive you haven't seen it. Rob, I don't know if you have, but um, if he was going to play a villain, look no further than American Horror Story. And he's fantastic. I think he is a very, very underrated actor. Um, and if, you know, people only know him from the X-Men movies, uh, you're missing out because he is extremely talented. And if he needs to play a villain, I think he can very, very much pull it off. Um, you know, Rob, what are your thoughts on, you know, who he actually is now? Because it's clear that we know who brought him here. Yeah, um, it, it it's definitely Agatha um, that's brought him into this world that that pulled him from wherever he is, be it that you know this world prime, the six one six universe, so to speak, or or did she pull the X Men version of Pietro and and he's under her control? Um, I think both of those things are in play. Um, but something that I've been thinking about this week um, in terms of how this is going to play out. Is this Pietro uh, a fake, a phony? Is he pulled from a different multiverse? Is he just some random townsperson that, that she transformed into a Quicksilver like character just to throw all of us off. Um, and, and Marvel's just kind of messing with us. Um, all this week, we've been seeing lots of casting rumors surrounding Jennifer Lawrence being Sue storm for the fantastic four. And as I was thinking about it, first of all, I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. I like that. That seems that seems great. I mean, it's um, certainly as bad as the Fantastic Four movies have been. You put like a big movie star in it. Like, you know, you can't get a whole lot bigger than than Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, she's been in some multi-billion dollar kind of films. Um, so great. And then it occurs to me, OK, so if she's in the MCU as Sue Storm in the Fantastic Four then that pretty much guarantees we don't get a full X-Men crossover from the Fox universe because it's unlikely that they will pull the sort of modern day characters 
in, they would probably give us the cast that was most recently seen in those abomination of a film uh, of, of Dark Phoenix and, and Age of Apocalypse, which is not good. Don't listen to Matt. He's wrong on that. And that's just everybody's allowed to have their own opinion. But Matt's wrong on, on Age of Apocalypse <laughs> being anything other than crap. Um, but um, it, I think it's I think it's unlikely that um, that the X-Men are going to fully cross over if they're seriously considering this. And I got to imagine where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, so it's hard for me to, I, I, so I use that information to lead me to believe that this Pietro is not the one from the Fox universe. Yeah. Um, Harrison, uh, some more thoughts on where we're going with him. Uh, I know you kind of mentioned it, but what what do you think your overall the game plan is for him? Yeah, uh, there's one thing that I just can't forget. Like I said, going back to Kevin Feige, I I read so many things that he says, uh, interviews, and I remember probably just last year, maybe it was 2019. I don't remember. He w- people were asking him about X Men and when are the X Men coming to the MCU? And he said something along the lines of, "We're not in a rush." to bring the X-Men back, which is weird because I think that to comment on what I said before with his finger on the pulse of pop culture, you, us, the three of us in this conversation are more than excited for the X-Men, but I think the general consensus, average movie goer, you know, big picture type stuff, they're kind of worn out of the X-Men because most of them feel like Rob does about the recent X-Men films. So I think that, that Kevin Feige in, <laughs> in his, his multi-expansive mind that he has to plan things out to incredible extent probably has X-Men planned probably not anytime soon, which is a bummer because I think that cast could be used really good. Um, so on to Evan Peters. I think that he is going to be a villain. I think there's part of that that's just like my hope for him. There's this one scene, and I don't know why my brain remembers the scene, where he's like looking at Wanda, and he's got like his tongue over his lower lip and just kind of like holds this look at her. And that, that image is frozen in my head. I don't know why. And it just tells me that he needs to be a villain. That could be just completely wrong. and <laughs> just what my brain wants. But I just think that that's going to be the case. I think that saying oh, you know, we've got a multiverse and out of nowhere, out of the multiverse comes the X-Men. Feels kind of cheap. Like, it, 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 like that'd be fun because I love the X-Men and it'd be cool to get them, but it, for how much detail has been put into this perfectly crafted MCU, that feels kind of cheap. Um, and so I don't think that it's going to be something that's going to happen very quickly. And so I don't think that he's going to be a Quicksilver X-Men version. Uh, I think that he's some other character that's being manipulated through magic to appear as uh, Pietro. But I, I think my hope is I, uh, my very loose theory. That's more of just a hope. A personal wish is that he is Mephisto just because I think he'd be an awesome villain, the actor. Uh, but I don't know well, I'm excited to see what happens. I bottom of the line, keep Evan Peters in the MCU because he's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, certainly Harrison, you made a good point. Um, you know, regardless of, you know, we've seen this before where too soon can be 
a very bad thing for fans of the genre. Uh, we saw that with Spider-Man. As much as Spider-Man 3 was kind of ripped to shreds by fans, uh, we certainly weren't ready for the story that we got. And I shouldn't say not ready, um, but you know, fans certainly didn't want to see a rehash again of Spider-Man. Um, certainly the Amazing Spider-Man did better than Amazing Spider-Man 2 in terms of box office, um, but it was widely rejected overall. And I, I think there's several contributing factors to that, but, you know, they do, I think, run the risk of maybe introducing the X-Men too soon. Um, and, you know, again, uh, my consensus is I liked more of the young cast X-Men movies than I didn't like, but, you know, if you go on to a lot of review sites, the general consensus is they are not very good. People do not like them. Um, I'm certainly on the one side of the fence about Apocalypse when the majority of people are on the other side where they don't like it and they don't think it's a good movie. So uh, they certainly have to be careful with how they're going to introduce the X-Men to make sure that they're a viable part of this franchise and they can branch them off, so to speak. Cause I think there's some challenges um, with the X-Men where you have to do mostly team up movies with them. You can't really do a, a lot of solo projects. So, uh, you know, Harrison, I think you're, you're absolutely right that it's going to take a little bit longer than maybe, you know, fans like us would want. But at the end, I think we've said it numerous times here that, uh, I trust what their plan is because, you know, minus a through a few missteps, which after 23 movies, you can forgive them. Um, they have successfully paved this there. There's nothing else in media like the MCU. Um, you just don't have it. Um, nothing else has 23 movies and is still widely successful and still just literally tells people, you know, give me your money. Don't think about it. Just hand it over. Um, so I think we're in for a wild ride with it, but Rob, your thoughts on like before we get into a couple more things, because I have a couple questions. What are your final thoughts on this episode? Where does this rank for you? So in terms of reels, um, I'm not somebody that is like, oh, nothing's ever a five. You know, you can't ever 10 out of 10. Nothing can ever be five out of five. Like, I just, I, I, I don't like that idea that nothing can, like, you can have a lot of things that are a five out of five for you. Um, and, and not only ever have to pick like one, like your personal godfather two of TV shows is the only thing you can ever give a five to. Like, that's not my <laughs> personal like rating system sort of idea or, or sort of like the strategy that I use when I'm, when I'm assigning things. Um, as I think back to this, you know, the things that I disliked were, were very minor. You know, I, I kind of feel a little bit confused about the rules for the hex barrier, why some things can pass through and other things can't. It seems more based on what works for the plot than it does anything else. Outside of that, like, it's it's very nitpicky little stuff that I don't like about this episode. I Like I said in kind of the open, we, we get some payoffs, but then we get so many more questions that we have and, and so much more excitement builds, even as, as we're excited to see things resolved or see things kind of, okay, that's what that is. They give you more things to be excited about seeing how they're going to pay it off. So to me, this is five out of five reels. 
Harrison, uh, uh, what do you think, man? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I give out uh, five stars like they're pretzels. So <laughs> as, in terms of reels, uh, five stars. Yeah. Every, besides those few moments that we really talked about, um, where I was like, why isn't this Reed Richards? And who is this lady? And, and those other things we're talking about, <laughs> everything I loved. And, and the way that was able to quickly move on from those things to a moment that I – probably my favorite movie – or favorite movie, excuse me. Favorite moment in all of WandaVision's runtime so far has been Monica working through the hex barrier. That moment was awesome to see her get her powers. It was awesome in, like, the emotional aspect it had for Monica. Also, just the care that I have for the character of Monica uh, – that was a great moment. And so just overall, I'd, I'd give it five reels because I thought it was great. And, and to just touch on one more thing that we've been talking about, as far as the continuity of the MCU and all these theories we have about the X-Men or not the X-Men or whatever, I think it's also great as the first content, MCU content we've had since Endgame. I know we had Spider-Man Far From Home, but I'm just going to say Phase 3 and Endgame and that story. I was really worried that after Endgame, it would be like you get in the comics, a cheap reset, that story's over, start over, blank slate type of thing, which which is good in its own right and format, and when used properly, it's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with it. But I felt like it wouldn't work in the MCU. And the way that they've been tying in those stories, you know, the snap, the unsnapping, the blip, sword, Ultron, the X-Men, the multiverse, things reaching back to consequences from previous films, um, which I'm sure they're going to continue to do, and the way that it's going to move forward, I just think is awesome. And to see all that wrapped up perfectly in a TV show that drives me nuts when it says, please stand by because I want to watch another episode, just is a testament to how much I love it and how good it is. Yeah, uh, I am... In 100% agreement with both of you, uh, the minor things that I did not like about this episode, uh, they're so easy to overlook because we get a great reveal at the end. The story is pushed forward. Um, I'm on you know high alert for what is going to happen. So for me, this is five reels as well. Um, th- this episode just, again, further proves that these guys know what they're doing and you guys have mentioned it, but one thing as I was watching this and then thinking about what I wanted to say during this review is WandaVision, you know, Rob, you and I did a segment, Matt Goes to the Mailbox, where we talked about things that were coming up and all those huge announcements from Disney Plus and what was coming. Um, you know, you were excited for WandaVision. Um, you were like, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in the show. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's going to be MCU content and things like that. But the feeling that I have from WandaVision reminds me very much of when the first Iron Man came out. Because after so many months of not having MCU content with the delay of Black Widow and everything that's going on, you weren't really sure how this was going to be, especially because, you know, you heard some, you know, crazy things about what the show was going to be and it was going to be in sitcom form. Um, But I had the feeling that I had after Iron Man and really sitting and breaking down Iron Man all those years ago. Um, I mean, like, it seems like a lifetime ago now when Iron Man first hit theaters. Um, But like seeing that and just, 
breaking it down and going, wow, like this could work because, you know, up until then we didn't really have firm, firm. We had X-Men. Uh, we certainly had blade one that was for that time of box office success, but you know, for everything like that, we had an Electra, a daredevil, a ghost rider. We had the fantastic four movies um, that weren't, <laughs> you know, universally praised. Um, and I sat there and saw Iron Man. Or praised and, at all. <laughs> right. Ex- right. Exactly. Um, you know, but I sat there and went with Iron Man and went, wow, this could work. Um, who knows what we're going to see here. And I get that same feeling with WandaVision of, wow, how do you top Endgame and what we had there? Um, and to me, it's, uh, again, not about topping it. It's about, okay, can you tell a cohesive story and make it, entertaining um and at the same time to me just kind of like shoot my brain in a hundred different directions and wandavision has done that um it's amazingly crafted great performances but it makes me go this outside the box idea that they have to really again go in a direction that no franchises have gone in with you know how they're going to do the multiverse and all of these characters that they're going to introduce um, this show makes me go, this could work. Um, and I'm just super excited for it. Um, that's in, in that's that, Matt, my thoughts. I think was one of the things that I think you said that I, I just want to jump in on real quick. You know, you compared um, the excitement of watching this show and, and where your brain goes with where this could turn into to uh, going back to the original Iron Man. I think there's a lot of parallels between WandaVision and the first Iron Man film. If you think about how much of the MCU has been a gamble, um, there's a lot of them that have paid off spectacularly. So just even starting with Robert Downey Jr., he was not an A-list, you know, can't miss celebrity. He was kind of controversial and he was not necessarily a safe bet. You know, there were films that would not get insured because he was attached to them. He had a lot of issues prior to when he became mega famous through the MCU. Obviously, he was a movie star and he'd been in a variety of other things, but he was not, you know, a, a, the bankable megastar that he is um, to this day. And so starting with him was very much a gamble. Starting with your film franchise on a character of Iron Man who was a C-list level character in Marvel Comics, you know, not starting your your franchise with somebody that everybody knew and universally loved. You know, Iron Man was not that character pre-MCU. Um, so you think about all of those things, that's a huge gamble. Now you think about the first show that you're actually starting your Disney Plus shows with. Matt, you've said it many times, you know, Wanda and Vision were two characters that you just didn't really care about that much, you know, throughout their appearances in the MCU. It was a little bit here, a little bit there. They're never really all that well developed. You don't really get a lot of screen time. Um, You know, they just, they didn't really hit you. They didn't really make you feel anything. And then you find out that it's going to be this kind of trippy, crazy, you know, multiverse level kind of show that's going to be based on sitcoms throughout TV history. And you go, wait, they're doing what? Like, it's just (laughs) such a crazy gamble that has no reason to work except that it does. And I just think there's a lot of parallels uh, between this, this series and the very first Iron Man. 
Yeah. Uh, Harrison, any thoughts on that? Uh, no, you guys said it very well. I could not say it better. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I just, God, I, I said it earlier, but it is, oh, Friday is almost too long. <laughs> I know, it's there, There's fair. just, there's so much, there's so much that I, I need to see. Um, now, they have announced that this next episode is, you know, the longest one. Um, certainly they said the last three episodes were going to be um, an hour each. So who knows how much more they're going to pack into this, uh, you know, into each episode and and what we're going to get. But it, it certainly seems like there's going to be at least, you know, kind of like we had with this episode, there's going to be one big payoff in every single episode that, okay, we get an answer on this, we get an answer on this, and then... Again, we've talked about it. I don't think this show wraps anything in a, a, a neat little bow, so to speak, certainly because we've talked about it branching into two other movies. Um, but I think by the end of this, you get the idea of exactly how this leads into the other movies. Uh, not to mention, we still have you know, a casting credit for James Spader, so where does he come into play? Because certainly we talked about Evan Peters, you know, having a casting credit. And, well, we haven't seen him. What does he have to do with this show? Um, so it can't just be a coincidence that James Spader is credited. Uh, he has to have some sort of presence um, in this show. And, you know, we, we have to find out where are the kids, what has happened to them. So there's a lot going. So... Uh, Rob, I will let you go with um, your your final thoughts here on where you think maybe episode eight is, or wait, seven, sorry, seven, um, where that's going to take us. We are, uh, so this one was episode seven. Yes, We're going to get right. episode eight this coming Friday. Um, I guess I want more. I, I don't. <laughs> right. Um, it's going to take us for a ride. That's where it's going to take us. Um you have to wonder if this will be the first week that it's not based on a new decade of sitcoms. Um, you know, we've, we've kind of run it up to, um, you know, modern family slash the office. Um, you kind of wonder what, what they're going to do with it next. Maybe we get a sitcom intro. Maybe we don't. Uh, maybe we get kind of little throwbacks and nods to the television of, of an era. Um, they kind of skipped over the 90s altogether. So maybe it goes back a, a decade or so. I, I don't know. Um, but I think I think we're going to see what happens. We, we certainly know that, that Vision is out there trying to find out what's going on. You know, Darcy is aware within the hex and is trying to find out what's going on. Um, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see how much Monica has influence over um, this world's Pietro for lack of anything else to call him, you know, we'll just call him the, the Pietro of this world. Um, I, I think we're going to, I'd love to see it start with that, that post-credit scene, but I know that they won't. I know that that will not be what we get. We might start next week outside the hex and just make us go crazy. Like, no, that's not what I want. I want to see inside. I want to see what's going on there. Um, Cause there's all of these sort of things that are circling that are, are trying to converge into one point, you know, certainly we have everybody on the outside with sword and we have kind of two different groups of sword. We have the one that was helping Monica and we have the one that's attached with the director. Um, 
that are going to be, they probably have competing interests at this point. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be some wild stuff happening Friday afternoon. Yeah. Uh, Harrison, what are your, what are your final thoughts on where episode eight takes us? Uh, yeah. So I, I was quickly, while Rob was talking, writing down a list of all the things that were kind of like set up to have a payoff hinted at, so to speak, there, there's two episodes left. There's episode eight and there's episode nine. And then the season is, the series is over. And, and these are all the things that I could think of that are left to be resolved. There's Monica and spec and kind of becoming spectrum. And that interaction with Pietro that was teased in the end credits, their sword launching, whatever director Hayward said they were launching that we didn't get to see the twins are missing. There's a confrontation between Monica and, uh, Oh, wait, sorry, I already mentioned that. There's a conversation between Wanda and Agnes in Agnes's basement and what could potentially be happening there. Then there's Vision and Darcy, and what are they going to do when they show up and they see that Wanda is being manipulated by Agnes? Then there's the engineer who may or may not be showing up. Um, then there's also something else that I think thought was really awesome that I'll just mention really quickly is Nexus, which was a commercial the antidepressant commercial. And I immediately recognize it, especially with like this one line. But so in the comics, maybe you guys know this. And I, th I think Rob does, because he mentioned it from Thor to the dark world um, is the nexus of all reality, which is pretty much just like there, there's kind of multiple definitions of what the nexus is in the comment. In essence, it's like a converging point of multi multiple realities, multi the multiverse where those realities come together is a nexus point and and wanda is a nexus being meaning that she's the same individual in all realities and she's kind of an anchor point where those realities come together and she has control over them and i thought it was interesting that the antidepressant was called nexus and it's mentioned that it will help you feel your feelings more it will confront your truth seize your destiny and possibly more uh depression while also stating that it, you need it to anchor you to your reality or whatever reality you choose but then the last line which i'm getting to here is it says don't take nexus until your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life and i immediately thought of dr strange and his involvement in a nexus being in a multiverse especially leading into the multiverse of madness so there's all these things i think is going to be happening to, to quote what rob said craziness is going to happen on friday there's so much that's, <laughs> like holy cannolis how are we going to keep track of all of this and it, it's just so exciting you know we got we got the doctor strange coming in to prescribe wanda whatever she needs to handle this nexus reality you know monica and pietro uh pietro potentially being hinted at being uh mephisto which is what i'm dreaming out a sword launching whatever they are the twins missing uh and potentially never coming back Vision and Darcy, what's going to happen with them? The engineer, like, oh my gosh, there's so much. I, I, I don't know. I'm so excited. Can it just be Friday already? <laughs> yeah. Well, we certainly. keep hearing that there's a Luke Skywalker level cameo that still hasn't shown up yet. Like, we keep Maybe hearing that. Dr. And we Strange. keep hearing that Evan. That's what I'm wondering. Well, I was also going to say this. This is one detail that I thought was super awesome. So the aspect ratio change has been like one of the coolest things of the entire season, especially how it changes from the sitcom to reality. And I notice on my rewatch when Wanda walks down into the basement at Agnes's house, the aspect aspect ratio shifts and the black bars come in and you get the aspect ratio that has been representative of reality. And so that confrontation she had with um, 
Agatha Harkness is reality and not the sitcom WandaVision. And same with Monica's interaction with Pietro. So clearly the, the boundaries of the sitcom, the rules of it are being split open. And I think that nexus, so to speak, just to, to use that buzzword I brought up earlier, is going to happen. And maybe we'll get the Mandalorian season two level cameo and uh, Doctor Strange will show up and I'll have a heyday if that happens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that would be, you know, definitely on par with you know, Luke just showing up in the Mandalorian. Um, and it, it's somebody who Paul Bettany has said he has not had the pleasure of working with in the MCU. Um, he has come out and stated they have never shared um, a scene together um, in the MCU. So, oh, really? you know, yeah, um, there are certainly some options there overall. Um, but yeah, he has said that, you know, it's in, it's funny if you actually go see any of those interviews and maybe who knows, maybe he's doing it to throw people off or whatever, but he seems genuinely excited about what people are going to see and what they produced mm -hmm. um, when he talks about it. He, like there's like giddiness in his voice, which makes me even more of a fan because he just seems like a fan. Um, oh, you're that, getting me all excited that it's only Monday. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's there's a lot going on. Um, it'll certainly be interesting to see. So, you know, I think that's uh, that's the perfect spot to end it on for this you know this week's edition of Wandavision and Mondays with Maximoff because boy, uh, I I could go on for another two, three hours about everything going on, but <laughs> seriously, uh, yeah. Um, again, you know, listeners, I had, boy, I, I think this might be my favorite episode yet that we've done of WandaVision. Um, there's just so much happening and I've had a blast doing this. Um, I'll say the same thing. I always say, Rob Harrison, thank you guys so much because this is so much fun doing this. Um, again, I wish we didn't have to wait until, a following Monday to talk about this next episode, but boy, it's been exciting. And I, I honestly, I can't thank you guys enough for, for doing this. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah this and, really is a blast. Yeah. And you know, listeners, um, as always, you know, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back next week with another episode. Um, all of the notes for the basement binge are going to be inside the show notes and we look forward to coming back next week. And thank you. Uh, the downloads are certainly um, adding up for, for WandaVision. So uh, we really appreciate the listens. And thank you so much. And we'll see you next week for another edition of Mondays with Maximoff.